Hello and welcome to From Our Perspective, Two Therapists, Moms, and a Mic. My name is Katie Truax. And I'm Claudia Glassman. And we thought we might talk about bullying today. Yes, let's do it. It seems like a pretty, I want to say hot topic, but it's not a new topic, right? It's been a topic for quite some time, this concept of bullying. Absolutely. And it definitely seems to be a sensitive topic. That's for sure. Yeah. So question for you. Hmm. I, what is your current, like, what's your understanding of bullying? Because I was going to ask you that. No, no, you can't ask (laughs) you that. Um, Because it's changed over the years, right? I think what was acceptable now, whether or not it should have been acceptable, we can argue, right? But that was somewhat acceptable childhood shenanigans Mm -hmm. is now not. And, you know, I work with kids, I work with parents, and I hear the word bullying a lot. Mm -hmm. And while obviously it's definitely prevalent and it's out there, I don't know if I would categorize all the behavior that is perceived as bullying as bullying. Does that make yeah. sense? Because sometimes it's a kid makes a snarky comment that was unkind for mm-hmm. sure. But is that, does that make a bully? Or does that just make a child who was not kind in that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean... I, on, I truly, I don't know. I literally was going to ask you, should I read you what Google says bullying means? You can. <laughs> when in doubt, we Google. Mental health professionals who go to Google for this, but that's okay. All right. This says to seek. Well, no, hold on. This is a verb. So, all right. The verb bully. Seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable so seek to harm intimidate or coerce so it it implies that there's an intent right there's an intent to cause harm to intimidate or to coerce so someone who's perceived as vulnerable so kind of what's also implied is that there's somebody that has a, a at least a perception of being in having more power and someone who has less power and that the person who has more power has an intent to harm the person who has less. Yes. So along those lines, according to stopbullying.gov. That's probably a more reliable source than Google. So yes, there has to, in order for, okay. So in order to be considered bullying, the behavior must be aggressive, which mm. I suppose we can define mm-hmm. a million different ways. Yeah. There has to be an imbalance of power, which is what you were just saying. So either physical strength, um, access to embarrassing information or popularity um, Mm. to control or harm others. So kind of using this imbalance, this power dynamic to control or harm others. Mm. Um, And repetition, bullying behaviors must happen on more than one occasion. Then they go into types of bullying. So you've got verbal bullying, teasing, name calling, inappropriate comments, taunting, threatening harm, social bullying, leaving someone out, kind of telling people not to be friends with this child, et cetera. And then physical bullying, which is Mm -hmm. the hitting, pushing, spitting. And I think that's kind of like where bullying was when I was a kid, right? Like if someone was like physically targeting you repeatedly, then you got the bullying label. I think a lot of this other stuff that was probably like should have been categorized as bullying was like kind of 
Yeah. The swept look. under the rug a little <laughs> bit, you know, <laughs> like, oh, he's just calling you names every day of your life. Like it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. Um, well, so what brought this to mind for me? So Ellie had a little experience this week at school. So um, if you guys haven't heard us talk before. My daughter is 10. I almost said eight. That's <laughs> my time warp. But <laughs> what year is it? She's 10. And so she's just, um, this is her fifth grade year. And we're, um, what, almost two months in, a month and a half in, two months. And um, we had some social conflict. I don't know, conflict, conflict drama. We called it girl drama last year. It was just, it just riddled through the entire year. I mean, there were mornings when she cried, didn't want to go to school. There were mornings when she was sick to her stomach. Um, on the way to school or on the way or once she got to school where like on the weekends she's not sick to her stomach and no change in anything she's eating or you know no virus bacteria fever anything like that it was pure tummy nerves and um, we had talks with teachers and principals and the guidance counselor and um, interventions and you name it. And she's in a school that has a very small class size. And there's a lot of benefits to that. But what we're learning is one of the drawbacks is that I think last year they had 12 kids in the entire fourth grade. And it was like six and six. So six girls, six boys. And when she was younger, she played with boys a lot. But now as they've gotten older, that doesn't really seem to be a thing that the girls want to do or that the boys want to do, despite my kind of encouragement, of like, <laughs> go hang with the boys. They don't do these kinds of things, right? And um, so she's got these six girls and they're just locked in hard with one another. And, um, you know, fourth grade last year was kind of this in between, you know, she's at a school that goes from um, preschool up to 12th grade. And so, you know, she doesn't want to play with the third graders. And when she's in fourth grader, that fourth grade, you know, that's not cool. But like the fifth and sixth graders are really like too old to want to play with the fourth graders either, you know? So she was kind of like pigeoned with these girls and it was constant um battles about whose friend is whom and and what you have to do to be my friend and you can't be with this person's friend if you're gonna be with my my friend and you know just all kinds of things right and and there was one gal that seemed to be somewhat leading the the pack on this stuff and when the gal was there things were a lot worse and when the gal would be gone say out of town on vacation um things got easier and so the guidance counselor promised us, she's like, hold tight, like fourth grade, it's always a hard transitionary phase and fifth grade is going to be so much easier, so much easier, so much easier. Well, fast forward, here we are. And it has been easier. It's been a lot easier. And two days ago, I went to pick her up from school and she got in the car. She goes, mom, I have to tell you what happened today, which is somewhat rare, you know? And I'm like, okay, what happened today? And she described where she and one other girl went to look for the rest of the girls at lunch to sit neat as usual and couldn't find them anywhere. Couldn't find them anywhere and kept looking around and found them under a stairwell of some sort. She, and she said, well, we're not allowed to be mommy. We're not supposed to be there. But like this gal who was kind of seemed to be big part of the problem last year was kind of standing up and kind of being like the ringleader for the rest of the the fifth grade girls and I think that there might have been one two three four four or five 
total girls there. And then Ellie and her other friend walked up and said, what do you, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, and it, it was a lot of, without going into the play by play, right. A lot of things like, well, we're not your friend and a lot of eye rolling. And um, I think another gal from sixth grade had come up to, and they said something like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not our friend. You don't belong here. Um, and things like that. Right. So, and again, I, I'm kind of new to this because again, if you guys haven't listened to us talk much, I work mostly with adults. And so I don't get to hear this a lot from kiddos. I hear some adults tell me about how they were impacted as kids by being bullied, but it's kind of more of like part of a big package, right? It's not anymore, you know, with, with adults, it's not the primary reason they're coming in for therapy is having been bullied as a child, right? Like, so I'm kind of removed from this concept of bullying. And it didn't even really cross my mind until Ellie told me, she said that, that what had happened was after lunch immediately, um, I don't know how word got back to the grownups, but word got back to the grownups and um, all of the boys were sent to do outside activities and all of the girls, both students and teachers, all the females went into a big group room and talked about this all together. And no names were mentioned. I'm guessing because they had this idea of intimidation or coercion, right? Mm -hmm. Ellie and her friend did not feel comfortable saying it was so-and-so said this, right? And so after the group meeting, Ellie went to a teacher she feels really close to and said, you know, this is who it was. And this is what she said. Exactly. And that teacher said, Ellie, you can come to me anytime. And she said, this is what we call mild or moderate, um, was an M word. It might've been micro, what something, you know, to kind of a low level bullying. Right. And I don't think Ellie knew that word either, but it was really interesting for her to tell me the story, you know, and I don't know if you guys are listening, heard fifth graders talk. It took like three years to get this whole story out. Right. Like <laughs> all the details and all the likes and all the backstory, you know, and, um, but finally I got the whole story and, you know, I'm grateful so much that the school was so responsive. That's, I mean, the school does a beautiful job of wrapping students up. And one of the reasons we're at that school is they prioritize emotional development over everything else for the kids. But, um, you know, so they, I think that they responded well. And guess what? The very next day after, I think it was first or second block, I got a phone call. Ellie says her tummy's hurting her. Okay. Yeah. Right. But it was just, it was interesting to me to have that kind of brought close to home and, you know, have it be labeled as such. And then to read that definition and say, well, I see that, right? This gal, for better or for worse, for, for some reason, right, has the ability to step in and act as a ringleader to the rest of the fifth grade girls. Last year it was a fourth grade girl. She did the same thing. People follow her and they often follow into unkind events and mm -hmm. you know it's not like oh let's go rescue the wounded bird over here come on everybody <laughs> you know, like, that's right. not the type of things they're following into right it's not sweet things that happen when people follow this gal and she but she has a very magnetic power over these or within this this group of girls and um 
it seems very random who she it's not always Ellie right it's um very very random and very mixed who this gal is for and who she's against and who's kind of in her group and who's not in her group and who she sidles against her with and who she sidles you know for and um it's just been such a journey with this but it's the first time I've ever heard anything called bullying when it came to my child and her class experience what are your thoughts about that yeah I mean I think that we as adults underestimate the social dynamics that our kids have to face every day and whether you want to label it bullying harassment unkindness like I don't even know if it matters because I think Mm -hmm. part of what you're touching on is like how it impacts your kid she is avoiding school, right? Or she is physically manifesting a tummy ache because of this stuff. And I think that's what we need to focus on. Because even when I read the definition, I mean, I'm like, okay, so what is aggression? Is it like you got to get punched in the face or is that passive aggressive thing that this Mm -hmm. young girl does, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think we as adults view it, right? We either take the, oh, kids will be kids, right? Or we're like, not my kid, you're in kind of, I mean, I have that reaction sometimes too, right? Like I know my kids have had issues with peers who are above and beyond unkind in ways that I think children are normally unkind at this age. And, you know, my reaction is, you know, um, mama bear wants to come out and unleash on a kid, you know? Um, So I think really kind of whether it's called bullying or it's just mean, (laughs) mean girl stuff, right? I think really what parents need to focus on is like, how is it impacting your kid? Because you could have a kid like Ellie who's impacted by it. And maybe some other kid, maybe Ellie's friends, like who cares? I don't know what her stance is. Maybe she's bothered too, right? But like we respond differently. And I think what really matters is helping our kids navigate this stuff because, you know, it's fourth grade, it's fifth grade. I've got adolescents on my caseload. They're struggling with their levels of social media bullying and you know, Uh and even when they don't have access to it, they hear about it from their friends. Look what someone said about you. Right. So like, even when they withdraw, it's in their face. Um, I love how the school responded. I think schools, and I get it. It's like, you know, teachers are stressed. There's so much going on, but here's the thing. If these kids don't feel safe in a classroom, there's no learning happening anyway. That's right. The social stuff is taking over. It needs to be addressed. I know my kids' school does the same. There was some issues between two little girls. I don't know if it was bullying. It was a lot of unkindness. And the school got involved and started doing like group, (laughs) group, classroom, emotional, social development, conflict resolution stuff, because clearly that there weren't the skills. You know, I... In the conversations I've had with my kids, Nancy just got in the car yesterday and was like, so-and-so was at me today, all day. Mm -hmm. Everything I said, shut up, you're stupid, don't care, like daily. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our conversation is, you know, do you need to reach out for help? Mm -hmm. And if so, who do you go to? It would be her teacher most likely. And she's like, I don't feel like I'm at that point yet. Okay, Mm -hmm. but that's a resource because I'm not there. I can't, you know. And the other conversation we have is really trying to deep dive, you know, into the psyche of this kid, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you think they're so unkind to you? Right? It doesn't make it better. It doesn't excuse it. 
but it, I want her not to take it personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone yeah. being mean, and this is stuff that I know as an adult. And honestly, I work with adults too that struggle with this because we're all human and our feelings get hurt, right? But like 99.9% when someone dumps something on you or is unkind to you, it's usually has nothing to do with you. It's all about that person's experiences. So you look at a little girl like this, like why does she need this much power and control? Why does she have to, um, you know, power play people and make people feel like crap? to feel better about herself, mm-hmm. you know? And as a school or whoever, like, how do we address this? As a parent, how do you address this? If your kid is the bully? Cause you know, I'm sure like, it's not hard to find yourself the parent, <laughs> the bully either, right? Like you don't know what your kid's doing at school wow. and who you're unkind to. Well, right. And they're probably, if they're the ones being unkind, they're probably the least likely to come and say, Hey mom, guess what I did today. Yeah. <laughs> right. As opposed right. to if they've been, you know, having somebody else having been unkind to them, they might be more inclined to tell you about it. Right. But, right. um, yeah, to self-confess probably is, is rare. Right. I mean, when you were a kid, cause again, this is not, I, I think this is I'm also going to throw out there before I go into when we were kids, but like, I do witness how adults interact and let's be very real. Mm -hmm. Adults are not doing a great job being kind either. I have seen some things online that make me want to scream Mm -hmm. and it's uh, strangers that don't know each other, tearing each other down over a difference of opinion. You can disagree. You can say, I don't agree with that. But to like, I've seen like personal attacks. I mean, I lived in a, in a community in Florida when we were down there, they had to shut down our Facebook community page because these people were so mean to each other and threatening each other on Facebook neighbors. Like you live next door to these people that the HOA had to get involved and shut it down. Like, think about that. These are adults. These aren't even children. So one of the things I think we need to be really aware of, whether it's us as therapists and like the work with our clients or us as parents is how are we navigating the world? Because if we're using our power, our words, mm-hmm. our insecurities to like unleash hell onto someone else and make them mm-hmm. feel like crap, then like, what example are we setting? Yeah. You know, what are, what are we really doing? Um, but I do remember being a kid. You do? And I don't, I mean. <laughs> Wasn't that long ago? <laughs> it was like yesterday. Lost all those brain cells yet? Last week when I was a child, no, but I remember people being mean to me and I remember being not very nice to other people, mm-hmm. like not like this little girl, but I'm sure I hurt someone's feelings or said something unkind or was, you know, snarky or mm-hmm. defensive or whatever, you know? And like, I think some of it as adults, we have to be very I think mindful of, of how we categorize and the way I've said it to my kids, even though I think my daughter's little classmate is a bully. I basically said they're struggling. It's someone having a hard time. And here's what I struggle with, with that though. Right. So let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Yeah. I love this idea of like getting into the other person's psyche so that your kid learns to not take everybody else's stuff so personal right and that it's it becomes something wrong with them that they did wrong or something that's right so like how do you find the balance right because my kid is so compassionate like she I hope she says this is what she says to me she 
says she feels very confident in herself and loves herself, which I love that so much, but she is very, very forgiving and very compassionate for other people from that place. And I worry about her continuing to uh, engage right and kind of take it and take it and take it and, and she'll stand up for herself in the moment she does have a fiery side to her and she'll she'll say things in the moment but it's like she for like so that very day right before the school the school day was over she I forget who went to whom but she interacted with the main girl and um the girl apologized profusely and she said she's so sorry that she knew she did wrong and that she wouldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, I mean, if I had a nickel, okay? Like, this has been going on for so long. I personally have little faith yeah. <laughs> in that, right? I, I mean, I, I just don't. Like, if we get through the rest of fifth grade and nothing else like this has happened, I think it'll be miraculous, right? So I just don't, I don't have any... I'm, I've lost all my hope yeah. in this particular human being for being a consistent source of friendship for my child. But that's the thing. So I think that's the nuance to, because mm-hmm. there is, you can be forgiving and understanding and empathetic. I can understand where someone's coming from, but if you mm-hmm. treat me a certain way, I'm going to understand that from a distance. Exactly. I'm and not going to harbor good. ill will. I'm not going to target you, but we're also not going to be close. And yeah, right. It's yes. a little different when you're forced to be around people all day, because again, mm-hmm. like situationally, it's a lot different. I can, I can withdraw and children at school. Totally. But I, so I think it's, it's finding that balance of how do you coexist? Mm-hmm. Play nice, whatever that might look like. Right and still hold your own. It's hard with kids though. And this is the conversation I have with my kids is they're learning too, just like you're learning how to navigate. And I struggle from both sides, from the victim of bullying, if you want to call it that, to the bully. Like once you're put in that category, Mm-hmm. You know, I work with teenagers that are like, I'm always getting bullied every year, consistent. They're, they've fallen into <sighs> this, this place and I don't know what it is, right? It's like, we switch schools, we switch friends. It's like, I'm always finding myself here again, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, I don't like to see the bullies fall into that label either, because I think if you get labeled something and believe it to be true, then why would you ever do different? Yeah. So, um, I think it's teaching kids how to navigate those situations. Like I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to like someone. You don't have to play with them. You just don't get to be unkind. Mm -hmm. You get to have boundaries. You get to assert your boundaries. You can't be mean for the sake of being mean. Right? Yeah. Um, Now, whether or not they always follow that, I don't know. Again, they're 10 and eight. I'm sure they mess up, right? But I think there's some level of us as adults having to have some understanding of like, how do we help kids on both sides navigate this mm-hmm. how do you help a kid who feels like crap about themselves or feels powerless find that in a way that doesn't harm other people right mm-hmm. and how do you take a kid who is super tolerant of that behavior from others 
to not harbor a grudge, but to also have some self-preservation. Yeah. You know, and some of it is, you know, you're talking about something that was pretty obvious, but some of it's super subtle. So subtle. And not that it is the stuff like, what was I listened to something the day where it was like everyone went to a party and they all got like shirts at the party. So they all mm-hmm. wear the shirts the next day to show up at the party. So no one said you didn't get invited, but it's very clear you didn't get invited because we all are wearing the shirts the next day, right? To school or whatever. Right. Now, was that intentionally to upset someone? Probably not. It may have been more of just like, we all got shirts and let's wear them, right? But it hurt someone. Well, and you know that those people knew, right? Whether they said like, okay, what can we do to harm so-and-so? No, probably not. But they knew somewhere along that process that other people would be affected, right? They knew that it was in the back of their minds at some level, big or small, they knew right and it was more important to them to feel like they were in than out I heard this phrase I've not heard this before so I forget where somebody one of my clients shared this with me um a client who's going through oh you know what this is one of my teen clients he's a senior in high school and was telling me about um he's taking um I think it was interpersonal communication skills Mm, nice I'm like tell me like what are you learning you know and he was like telling me about this these these phrases the in group and the out group Mm-hmm. right and that that manifests in so many different ways right we he and I actually related it back to kind of his family dynamics which was kind of an interesting thing but you know this idea of like this you know okay the, the kids who went to the party they they created their own in-group right and then by creating the in-group they you know automatically created the out-group whether the kids in the out-group knew they were in the out-group or not until the kids in the in-group came to school with the shirts on right but there's a sense of with sense of, of power and belongingness that comes with being in the in-group that people want to maintain. That's why all the other sweet little gals underneath the stairwell who were Ellie's friends five minutes ago sat there and didn't say a word, but kind of looked like in shock, according to Ellie, when this gal said, well, we don't want to stay with you. We're not your friend. Yeah. Right. Didn't say anything because they were in the in-group. Mm-hmm. In that moment right and it happened so fast everything happened so fast but to say right that's a big deal right and that's we're kind of getting more down the rabbit hole of like group think mentality which is a really interesting topic but like when you're in the in group and somebody's influencing you in a to do things or behave in ways that are negative or harmful but to not do so risks your position in the in group that's a big like a pill to swallow right yeah you know I would say 90% of people would not swallow that pill 90% of people are just going to sit there and either participate or at least be silent not a single person under the stairwell stood up and say well I I like Ellie I liked her five minutes ago I'm like her five minutes from now when you walk away like I'm I'm out for this you know they were just silent and waited until everything passed and then everything resumed to normal but in that moment when the leader of the pack was saying these awful things nobody spoke out against it Mm, yeah well right and and I think some of it is self-preservation absolutely right like where is the safest place to land okay Mm -hmm. with on this side not stirring the spot you know and then you secretly find your friend later and you say oh my god that was horrible I'm so sorry but you don't stand up in the moment and and I you know I will say there are kids that do stand up 
And those kids sometimes have a hard time too, right? Because they're, they're the disruptors of this social scenario, right? And sometimes those kids do get targeted. And so I can understand where the kids just sit quietly and say nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The social dynamics of school (laughs) is no joke because I think it does start to become like that fourth and fifth grade is where there's more buy-in to that, right? Then you have middle school. I mean, I remember middle school. Middle school was like this collection of tears and fights <laughs> and tears and fights. I remember teachers doing what LA school did and calling a lot of group chats about some disagreement that somebody had because it got so like volatile because you yeah. had no skills to solve issues and you're sensitive and upset and there's, you don't have the skill set yet, you know? And so some of that is for your kids, building social and emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Building the ability for someone to understand that like, again, it feels personal, but it's not personal. And again, whether or not my kids are, but their kids are probably like, mom, like it's personal, you know? But it's like, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Like what, why did you warrant that attack? For example, like what, you know, you didn't hurt him. So why would they retaliate against you? But, you know, it's easy for me to say when I hear about it and I'm not the one living it. Right. And, and our school does respond to these things. Mm -hmm. Not all schools have the bandwidth to do that. That's right. That's right. Right. If you've got a school school that's not too dissimilar from Ellie's where they have a small class size too, right? Um, I mean, I think it's like 30 kids, 20, 30 kids, but it's three grades, which has its own, you know, interesting. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 30 kids among three grades. Yes. Got it. So right now it's fourth, fifth and sixth grade, Uh which is also super interesting, but I actually think that tempers it a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, because there's a, a mix of maturity levels. You don't yeah. get the same group mentality. You might get your little cluster, but then there's the other kids that are older and younger, ideally, mm-hmm. right? That may buffer yeah. where they are. Um, yeah. But it is, I mean, it is hard and it's hard for parents to navigate, right? Like, how do you know if your kid's being bullied? Right. Like someone's being mean to me. Okay. Right. But then it really is looking at the frequency, right? I, I would say how it impacts your kid. I mean, you have a kid that no longer wants to go to school because of them. That's a problem, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That needs to be um, addressed. You know, um, I know parents that have switched schools probably because the school couldn't or wouldn't, you know, change things. Um, and that's and- tricky too, because like you said, I mean, it's kind of out of the frying pan into the fire. How do you know what you're going to get? You, you know, you don't know. I mean, yeah. You can hope that you can get mad at one school and say, oh, well, a different school could do better, but you don't know if that's the case or not. You know, I don't know if switching schools is always the right thing to do unless it's like blatantly like they're neglecting things or or saying things that are just clearly not helpful or harmful, right, from administration. But, you know, when when a school's trying, she's yeah. Well, and I think it's also as parents, like just being able to tolerate the fact that sometimes your kids are going to go through some hard times with their parents, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to tolerate that too. Like, I don't like when my kid's crying because someone was unkind to them. Right. But I think Ansley came home one day, she was playing outside and one of our neighbors said, I will never be your friend, which is probably a true statement. She didn't want to be your friend. Ansley came storming and crying. And I was like, 
like sucker punched me, you know, but like, it wasn't the best way to relay that message. But what the little girl was saying was she had a boundary. I don't want to play with you and be your friend. And she gets to choose that. Like she wasn't, you know, harassing my kid. She just wanted to be left alone. And my child did not want to leave her alone. And so I think she was like, this is the boundary I'll set. And so while we had to work a lot on like, well, but you have to accept her statement too. She wasn't, you know, targeting my kid. She just wanted to be left alone. And my kid was not doing that. So but I mean that was hard for me to sit with too right and so some of it's sitting with your kid in those hard moments I know it I know like sometimes friendships are tough well and it's interesting because (laughs) so yesterday was the day that I got the call that Ellie's tummy was hurting right (laughs) like we have a new there's a new front desk person so the gal who has been with Ellie for the past one, two, three years at the front desk and knows all this, you know, the store backstory around all this, like she left before the school year started. So we've got a brand new gal at the front desk. And I'm sure she thought I was like the most neglectful parent ever. Cause you know, my kid calls at like, or she calls me on behalf of Ellie at like, I don't know, it was like 10 in the morning, you know? And she's like, well, Ellie has a tummy ache. And I'm like, <laughs> okay you know know, and so there was a time in the past when Ellie had a tummy ache and I said well lay on your side for about the right side you know I'm sure you know this but as a family of a functional wellness doctor if you lay on your right side that helps facilitate the digestive processes and so often it will very quickly resolve in five to 15 minutes right so whatever it is whatever sort of digestive distress might be happening sometimes you know, is bowel related. Other times it's, it's just nervous tummy kind of thing, but laying on the right side resolves a lot of things. So I said, okay, well, have you tried laying on your right side? And she said a little bit. And I said, well, go do some more <laughs> and ask Miss Jessica if you can have your phone. And then, you know, they, they can have their phones, but um, they put them away during the day, you know, and I like for Ellie to have a phone in case there's an after school event where she stays and um, she can connect with me and so forth and connect with her dad. So I said, well, go get your phone out of your car, ask permission to get your phone so you could text me to tell me if the laying on your right side worked or if it did not in the 15 minutes. And I'll come, I'll figure out a way to come get you, right? Because I was booked with people. But um, so she, of course, I knew this was going to happen. Oh, and I also told her, use your oils, which, so we sent her with essential oils to school, which incidentally, um, as a, a kind of a little bit of an experiment, instead of sending her digestive oils, I've sent her with emotionally calming oils. She has a blend that we call, or that we don't call it's, it's a doTERRA blend. It's called peace. And then we have another oil she goes with it's, it's magnolia, which is, um, similar in properties to lavender. So some really calming oils. And I'll tell her to, her to rub those over her belly and kind of like around like her neck where she can smell them and on her wrists and so forth. So I said, rub your oils on, lay on your right side, and then text me to let me know if you're good or if I'm coming to get you. And sure enough, she's like, I'm good, mommy. I'm going back to school. Mm. Right. And so I think part of that, right. That's another struggle of like, where do you kind of, to your point of like, okay, well you could go to the teacher. Okay. I'm not ready for that yet. Right. Creating this plan of, of like, how do you support them? Right. That morning, she said, I don't want to go to school. Mm. Okay, but we're going to school, you know? Yeah. You've got your oils, right? Like, you've got your support teachers. You know, you can go talk to the principal or the guidance counselor anytime you need to. We're going to school. 
right? But like, I'm the mean mom, you didn't come pick her up. But yet I do believe in my heart of hearts that that's in her highest good. I think it's it's better for her overall, right? Academically, mentally, emotionally, to be able to stay there and to, as long as she has supports, right? Whether there's support internally, things like her oils that she has in her backpack or supports from teachers, peers, so forth, like for her to be able to stay there and navigate it, right? Then me pick her up. What do you think, Claudia? Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some sense of like empowerment, right? That like, I faced this, I did it. I was able to, you know, stay. Mm-hmm. I think avoid, uh, avoidance can be, cause secondary problems, right? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't want her to learn that every time something's hard, she just gets to go home. Yeah. Well, and you know, for me, the really hard lesson working with, you know, people of all ages is I'm going to call it bullying and we can define it differently, but like that type of behavior Mm -hmm. doesn't always cease just because we grow up. Mm -hmm. I work with clients that have challenging behaviors at work. That one that's super, you know, subtle aggressions, microaggressions, maybe right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People experience that in their friendships and their social, you know, mm-hmm. groups in the workplace, in school. In, and so I think one of the best things we can do is strengthen our kids to learn how to navigate it. And it is a learning process. Ellie's not going to complete fifth grade being like, I rock at this. He's not. <laughs> it's going to be like, you know, even as adults, we have to work on it and check ourselves and, and, you know, create space where we can see things clearly. And, you know, I think it's arming them with the tools to navigate challenging people because mm-hmm. that person could be your boss and you may not have the luxury to, you know, quit. Yeah. Some Mommy, people come have, get me. Yeah. Right. Or, or just you want to quit and you just can't, you have okay. to figure out plan B. And so you're stuck there. Right. And you're mm-hmm. stuck in this environment. And there's a lot of ways in life where like, we're just going to have to get resourceful mm-hmm. and find the skill set. So I do think it's like a learning experience. Now, obviously there is the threshold where it goes too far and you've got the kids that, you know, feel so isolated, so hopeless that they make different decisions on how to escape that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a whole nother level to this, right? The kids. Okay. So let's go there. Right. So we, so like, okay, as we start to kind of move into like the end of this, right. What Claudia, can you speak to two things first what are some of the signs? What are the red flags? Like where we need to be looking out, right? If we don't have a child that's coming and telling us, I feel this way because this is what happened at school, right? Or this is what is happening at school. Sure. Which I'm, I'm sure decreases as kids age, right? So that, I mean, I'm still hoping and praying and Lord making my child promise that she's still going to snuggle with me when she's 30 and talk to me about everything forever and ever and ever. Amen. But, you know, for most kids, right, as they get older, they start sharing less. Right. And so what do we look out for? What are some of the red flags when we know as parents that our kids are struggling, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's bullying or otherwise. Right. And then what do we do about it, Claudia? Yeah. So I think for starters, it's looking for changes, right? Changes in sleep, changes in eating, changes in, um, I guess, loss of interest in things they used to find interesting or loss of interest in school, 
you know, school resistance, kind of like what Ellie was saying, like, I don't want to go that avoidance of school. Um, you know, if there's physical bullying, there may be, um, injuries that can't Mm -hmm. be explained and your kids like, Oh, I just fell right. That kind of like thing where injuries that are kind of happening to your child, um, lost things like Mm. I lost my books. I lost my phone. I lost my right things that can potentially be stolen from them. Right. Or like taken from them. So destroyed property, lost property, stolen property. If they're willing to admit that, um, again, change in eating habits, um, kind of what, you know, Ellie was experiencing this like somatic symptoms, right? Stomach aches, feeling sick. Maybe they're faking sick to not go to school. Um, any changes in academics, loss of grades and ability to focus, uh, nightmares, mm. um, like which would be a disruption in sleep, um, mood shifts that are not mood shifts are a little tough because as your children get older, there's going to be like hormonal mood shifts. So that mm-hmm. might be a little harder for all those with teenagers mm-hmm. that are like, yeah, good luck deciphering <laughs> that. But you know, for a younger kid, you can see shifts in mood. You can see the kid that gets in the car on the verge of tears, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think those are the signs, you know, the reality is kids aren't going to necessarily come to you mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, I think some of it is, does getting help make things worse? And I know I've heard this from my own daughter. It's just mm-hmm. going to get worse if I ask for someone for help. Because now that person gets in trouble. Now you're the target of that, right? It's this like cycle. I think it's this lack of faith that adults can actually manage it, to be quite honest with you. And maybe they're not super wrong because you mm-hmm. see where adults struggle to manage this. But this is not an easy, there's no like solution, mm-hmm. you know, or like easy solution. I think it comes with us as parents digging in with our kids from the day they're born on like how to be a certain way, right? And how to interact with people. But you always have kids that are, you know, for whatever reason, have a harder time with this. Um, You know, I think at this point, if you kind of are noticing all of those symptoms, it really is reaching out for help, Mm -hmm. right? It's going to the school and advocating for your child, even if it means you have to be one of those quote unquote parents, right? There's nothing wrong with advocating for your child. Um, If the school doesn't know, how do they address it? Mm Um, yeah, you know, I, I do think for some people, maybe changing schools is necessary. I know people that have homeschooled and done, you know, all kinds of measures to work around it. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think also worth looking at, like, how do you know your kid is the one doing the bullying, Mm -hmm. right? What do those signs look like? Yeah. Wow. That's a whole nother topic for another day to add to a list of some of the things that we can do, right? Obviously we have therapy too. We do. That's right. That's where we come in. Remember we do those things. <laughs> also, I, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised with, um, I only see a smattering of teens and um, most of what I do is adults, but like when teens want to come to therapy, like they really will like talk right about things in therapy that they won't talk to parents about per se or siblings and so forth and so on and then I also love this idea of like um I love this phrase circling the wagons right and maybe that's a a southern phrase I don't know but um this kind of concept of like okay when the going gets tough right you kind of circle up like almost like a huddle up right and like who are the people in your world that you know are safe and you know are supportive you know are loving and and really trying to focus 
and kind of getting back to basics on that, right? So lots of good quality family time and lots of wholesome activities where there's not a lot of social or emotional energy expended, you know, time in nature, time, you know, movie nights on the couch and snuggle time and time with pets and, um, I don't know, maybe an impromptu mommy daughter shopping trip or something like that, right? Or daddy daughter date or, you know, so forth and so on. And, and, and boys aren't immune to this either. My God, not at all. This is definitely across genders, but we have girls. So we kind of tend to think from that perspective, I think, but, um, and then, you know, friend time and maybe focusing on solidifying and strengthening and supporting the growth of the friendships that do feel like they're more supportive, you know? So if there's friendships or relationships that are maybe painful for our kids, helping them remember that those aren't the only people in the world, right? And that there are friends who maybe, you know, kind of like poor Ansley's experience with the neighborhood girl, like there are plenty of friends who do want to be your friend, right? And let's, let's invite some over for a play date maybe or so forth, right? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, again a lifelong lesson of like you are not how someone else treats you it doesn't mm -hmm. you're not just because someone says you're something doesn't mean you are yeah and building that muscle in our kids of you know kind of like ellie has that right this like i like me Whew. that is a little bit easier it's a little easier if you feel secure in that right to, mm -hmm. to combat what someone else is saying to you even if in the moment it doesn't feel good you know, but I think definitely finding support, you know, I mean, I work with a lot of kids. There's, I can't make their bullying stop. Right. I, I, or historically past bullying. Right. But I will tell you that I am, you know, cause I feel like we have this conversation. You're like, Oh my God, all kids are terrible. And they're all, I have some kids that blow me away on my caseload mm -hmm. where we have conversations. I'm like, you are the most empathetic, emotionally yeah. intelligent person <laughs> I have talked to you all week, you know, and you're right. a child. And so there are amazing kids out there that have empathy and are able to talk to kids and are supportive and are the one that want to be the ones that lift up and not knock down. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I was interestingly just having a conversation with someone this week who was sharing when they were younger, they were bullying kind of like what Ellie's friends experienced. They got dragged into another group and the power dynamic was also there by age and they went along with it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they were sharing was like, they would do something and then hang out after and apologize because mm -hmm. it was self-preservation. It was, I don't want to be the target of this. So I will participate and then I will linger and I will pick you up and tell you, I'm sorry. I just knocked you down. Yeah. Right. So the social dynamics, right? So what is a bully and who's the, it's like you had the bully became, the bullied became a bully, right? but like a really remorseful one, right? you know? And that was situational. Like once that dynamic disappeared, she no longer placed herself in that role, right? Mm -hmm. But it was like a survival strategy. So also talking to your kids who are not on the receiving end yeah. of being bullied or be the bullied, but like to your kids who may come float in between in that like safe zone, right? Like how do you advocate for those when you see something's wrong, right? Like how do you support the kids that are getting targeted and you know, it's not right. Mm. And how do you support other kids and kind of having that? Because I do think if they can get support from their peer group, it makes all the difference. Yeah. You know, even if, yeah, golly, uh, Claudia, life is so hard. I know, but we, we, we can't solve the problem in this podcast and <laughs> we can't, 
we've scraped <laughs> this. It's a hard topic. I mean, it's, it's hard, it you know, and yeah. I think schools struggle with how to manage it, you yeah. know, and, and adults struggle with how to manage it in their children and for mm-hmm. others. And it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, again, that, that resource that you found that was so much more beautiful than my Googling stop bullying.org. Yes. Dot gov. .gov. Stop bullying.gov. Do you think that's a good resource if parents or teachers need a resource? Uh, I don't know. Bullying. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't d- dived into it too much. Um, I also does not have a solution. <laughs> um, but it, it also does not cure any. No, but it does go into cyberbullying too, which is a whole mm-hmm. other thing. We, we scratched the surface on oh, interfacing and that's a whole nother level. Um, yeah. So it does go into something. I will drop one little nugget I saw on, um, there's a resource officer. I don't know where they are. And they have a Facebook page, it's Officer Gomez. And um, they posted something on cyberbullying the other day. And one of their things was like, you know, don't let your kids on social media and they won't be exposed to it. And then the question came up like, oh, well, again, what if someone shares it with them, right? Like a friend and their solution, which, you know, in theory is great. I don't know what the practice work, but your child needs to advocate for themselves and tell them friends, don't show me anything. I don't want to see it. And you will not, if you're my friend, you won't show me so that you can not only block their access to it, but then they block who's bringing it to them. Right. But that's a lot of work. And that's a lot of, um, you know, children having to advocate for themselves a little it's bit. So much emotional maturity. Like how many grownups would be able to be like, don't tell me the person who was talking about, about me and with they said right like that takes a real commitment to zen and like like boundaries and circling your wagons right that I mean wow how many grown-ups would do that I can't imagine asking a child to do that or a teenager to do that maybe a right. kiddo but oh but well, yeah I mean I think that that's a great like goal but very difficult to attain Yes. And I think you can attain, listen, if things are bad enough and you have no options, maybe that is something you do. But Mm -hmm. I also like, I kind of went against this whole, like kids needing to connect socially with other kids and you've taken their ability to do that. And that's, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but I don't know. I mean, we scratched, we scratched the surface on bullying and we, we've, we've gotten, you know, somewhere halfway down the the path. We got somewhere. (laughs) well good well hopefully listening to this will will not be helpful at least let you know that you're not alone out there if you're a parent struggling with knowing how to love and how to support and how to direct a child who is privy to or party to bullying in any way shape or fashion so um we will be posting this podcast lots of places and if you listen to it you can find us um, on social media claudia is mighty oak parenting and uh, my husband and I are Rob and Katie Truax. And um, we're on, where are we? Facebook, Instagram, and our podcast is on Spotify and iTunes. And um, feel free to leave comments, questions, and if there's other topics you want us to expand upon or move into, we'd love to hear and to do that for you. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.